Hey, it's the official tapes. It's a Grateful Dead radio program that airs on a bunch of radio stations around the globe. And we don't just play Grateful Dead. Sometimes we break format and we play something from the Jerry Garcia band. And sometimes we really get out there. It's Greg Anton here in Sonoma County. And I play in a band called Zero with Steve Kimmock. My name is Steve Kimmock. I'm uh, trying to clean my barn, but I've been trying to do that for many years. So there you go. All right, and we're going to see uh, just how the barn cleaning is going, and then we're also going to uh, talk about uh, a release that they have uh, are proud of called Not Again. It's an exceptionally uh, energetic, well-reported, and well-produced but I think part of what's neat about it is that it, it exists as this piece of history that we just haven't accessed for so long. And uh, it's just great to, it's just great to hear. If you're already a fan of the band, or you know what was going on around that time in San Francisco, it'll make perfect sense. Steve and I have been playing in Zero for uh, maybe 10 years or six or eight or 10 years before this show at the Great American Music Hall in San Francisco. We've been playing primarily instrumental improvisational stuff. And then Robert Hunter joined us and started writing lyrics to our music. Long ago, in a galaxy far away, a civilization sent out a radio signal hoping to detect signs of intelligent life in the universe. We have received that signal and are ready to respond through the only coherent language civilization has developed specifically for transmission across the vastness of interstellar space, rock and roll. Ladies and gentlemen, adjust your headsets and clear the channels for the first contact between intergalactic cultures. Five, four, three, two, one. Zero. We had this new body material with uh, lyrics. So we decided to do a show and record our new material, along with our, a bunch of our instrumental material as well. For me at the time, it was like super focused. We were so focused on making that record and figuring out what to do with those songs, how to arrange them, or, you know, sing, or how to play them all. I think we made the record probably two or three times at least. Before we made it at the musical, we just kept doing a demo of this and demo of that. People would come in and out. And I remember being up for a week working on one of those songs. One time with this terrible little uh, cassette. It was like a four-track cassette deck or something. <laughs> and that was, let's make a demo. For a record, but we just worked on it just constant, just so much torque over such an extended period of time. That's what I mean. We booked three nights to record our new material and got a bunch of guys that played with us here and there, and we got them all together. And we and we recorded three nights there. Dan Healy, who's the did all the house sound for the Grateful Dead. He brought the Grateful Dead studio to the basement of the Great American Music Hall and installed it, including this gigantic Neve board, a recording console, 
he installed it in the basement, ran a bunch of snakes, cables up to the stage, and we recorded for three nights in 92. We went through the material and came up that the plan was to get a record out of it. We got a record that we called uh, Chance in a Million. There's a, a zero song called Chance in a Million, and that was our signature song on the record. So we called the record Chance in a Million, and we released it. It came out on A&M Records in 1994. And then about a year or two ago, our recording, our mixing engineer, Brian Risner, an absolute master, audio master. He called me up one day and said, hey, why don't we remaster Chance in a Million? The technology has improved so much that we could you know, improve the sound uh, of the record. And I said, that's a great idea. And he said, see if you can find me a bonus track, like one additional song, maybe two, that was not on the Chance in a Million record. And I said, okay, I'll go back and look at all the tapes. I went back and went through all the three nights of recording and found an, uh, another record, which is our new record, Not Again, uh, that were basically outtakes. Uh, and it, it, was, it was so interesting to because I my ears were 30 years older than uh, they were in ni 1992. And I was listening to the music uh, from today, my, my musical perspective today. And it was interesting to the judgments that were made about what songs to include on Chance in a Million were different judgments than we would make today. I got the same problem with listening to stuff at any point that I listen to it. Mostly, I stand in judgment of my, my own self and, uh, and the band, you know. So what happens is, if I listen to it, like when I back when I back when we recorded it, I listened to it, and I was like, "This is terrible." I tried to do this and I tried to do that, and I can't play. I suck. It was just you know, just really depressing, right? And then you listen to it thirty years later, and then you really you twice as depressed because you're like, "How comes I can't play like that anymore?" Really, I tell you what, man. You don't get a job as a guitar player. It's really, it's really hard. As far as the connection, like to Robert Hunter and the Grateful Dead and so forth, uh, before Steve and I played in the band Zero, we played in a band called the Heart of Gold Band with Keith and Donna Godshow. Keith and Donna were really good, real, very close personal friends with Garcia, and as well as being, um, you know, 
musicians together. They were close personal friends, and they introduced me to Garcia, and we hung out. And there was that kind of a relationship. And then I played in a couple of blues bands with John Kahn, who was Garcia's bass player. I played on his solo record, and the guys were all around. We, we recorded that at the Grateful Dead studio, so the guys were coming and going, and it was just kind of a interpersonal connection, I guess. And then I met Robert Hunter. I met him by playing uh, drums with him. And then I ran into him at a party at some time later, and he started talking to me about Zero. And I, his comment was, you know, you guys are a great band, but most of your audience are, are other musicians. <laughs> he says, you know, if you had a couple songs, you maybe you could expand a little bit. You know, some songs with some lyrics. And I said, well, you got any? And he says, well, you got any music? And we gave uh, Hunter some uh, of our instrumental music. He wrote lyrics to it. Oh, you have no idea what a geek I was at the time. I'm still, but I was like, all I did was play the guitar. It never occurred to me that I wouldn't be able to talk about music or what I did or guitar with another musician. It never occurred to me. So I just, you know, when I ran into those people, I was just that, you know, that geek, that geek guy that plays guitar, you know. So, you know, what's, <laughs> how is that? a threat to anybody or how is it you know how's that complicate things it doesn't really it just you know it, 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 was, it was actually it was actually pretty simple and i mean just for example i didn't really want to bother people like any of those guys i definitely didn't want to bother jerry Garcia. but when we would get together we had this like little cone of silence where we would like literally geek out together talking about chords and scales and speaker cameras and stuff like that we're just like he, he, I think he enjoyed it. It's like he could keep people away as long as we were in that mode. We had uh, this uh, guitar player, uh, John Cipollina, who played with Zero for a while, quite a while. And he was close personal friends with Nicky Hopkins. John had a band called Quicksilver Messenger Service. Nicky Hopkins played piano in that, in that band. And those two guys are like best friends forever. And so... Um, John brought Nikki around and me and Steve were uh, working in my barn and uh, and Nikki came out and put down some piano stuff and started playing with him a little bit playing with us a little bit and so he was part of our network everybody on the gig at the Great American Music Hall had, were our friends or fellow musicians that came and went from zero 